Welcome to the Simply Imperfect Podcast. If you're on the hunt for perfection, you may want to keep looking because we are imperfection at its finest around here. However, if you're looking to have conversations covering the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between about life, you've come to the right place. We not only embrace life's imperfections around here, we celebrate them. So for those of you who've decided to join us on this journey, go grab yourself a beverage, sit down, settle in, and let's get started. Welcome back to the Simply Imperfect podcast. I cannot tell you how good it feels to say that phrase. I have missed sitting down and recording and doing deep dives for you guys. I cannot explain how much. Things got a little chaotic in the Finn family home, um, and there are some exciting things coming that I can't wait to share once they're all finalized, but life got in the way, and... um, If you follow me on any of my socials, you know that we are kind of mid-move, mid-transition, and so the current environment didn't really create or wasn't really conducive to me being able to sit down and record, and I hated it. I love these podcasts so much, and I am super excited about the podcast that I have planned and that I am actually going to sit down. I'm going to record some in advance so I can keep um, consistent content this time and around. Um, But because of that, I am running the risk because some of the things I have planned are like current events or um, true true crime cases. I can't speak today, apparently. I'm out of practice. Um, So if that is the case, there is a chance that by the time something posts, there may be new information between the time I record and the time it gets posted. It's the unfortunate risk I run. However, if that does happen, I will make sure to make note of it in the case notes and get updated information to you guys as soon as possible. Just hope you bear with me. It is the only way I can really plan to keep consistent content with the transition that my family currently is in right now. Before we get into this episode of the podcast, I wanted to share something that happened in in between season one and season two of the podcast that I think is pretty cool. So during the break, I was connected with a clothing company called Grunt Style, and Grunt Style is a veteran-owned patriotic clothing line that has a vast, vast collection of t-shirts, sweatshirts, um, jackets, pants. I mean, it's, they really have everything. And they have partnered with me to offer you a discount code. So if you head to Grunt Style, I'll put a link in the show notes um, and use the code SimplyImperfect25, you'll get 25% off all of your orders. It's a fun way to get some really cool patriotic clothing that is a really nice quality and still be able to support the podcast. So I'm super excited to share this with you guys and hope you find something awesome. Okay, now that all that is out of the way, let's get into the regular scheduled program and jump into this episode of the podcast. So if you have been paying attention to social media or national headline news, you there's no way you haven't heard the name Brian Laundrie and Gabby Pettito. And these two have made national news because they went on a cross-country road trip together and Brian showed up back in Florida without Gabby. 
And not only has he shown up back in Florida without Gabby, but he has gone radio silent. He has lawyered up and he won't say anything. And we don't know where Gabby is. So I wanted to break down this case a little bit, bring as much attention to it as I personally can, so hopefully we can maybe bring us anywhere closer to figure out where where Gabby is. So let's start from the beginning. So Gabby and Brian live in Florida, and they decided to take a road trip from the East Coast to the West Coast. And on um, July 2nd, They leave from Blue Point, New York, which is where some of Gabby's family lives. And so the idea was they were going to travel from the East Coast to the West Coast and stop at um, national parks. And Gabby had purchased a 2012, um, I believe it's Ford uh, um, Transit? Anyways, it's a van that they converted to be able to sleep out of, um, and they would camp, and I believe they stayed, you know, when weather was bad, they stayed at a hotel a few times. But anyways, they were traveling and stopping at national parks. So going through the timeline of things, this is this is what was going on. So... A lot of this timeline is created by news articles, by um, Instagram posts, um, people's comments on social media, and any references I can give you to where I got the information, I will link in the show notes. Um, But let's just jump into it. So they left in uh, on July 2nd in Blue Point, New York. On July 5th, they were at the Kansas Monuments of the Rocks. July 8th, they were in Colorado Springs. On July 10th and 11th, Gabby made two separate posts, um, tagging her location as being in the Grand Sand Dunes National Park. Then on the 16th and the 18th, she posted uh, two times, um, and she tagged Zion National Park. Then they made their way, and on July 21st and 22nd, Gabby made a post um, and tagged Bryce Canyon National Park. On July 26th, they were at Mystic Hot Springs. On July 29th, Brian posts a picture, and it's the last picture with Gabby he posted on his Instagram, and they were in Canyonlands. On July 30th, Gabby posted and tagged that they were in Canyonlands. She posted on the 31st saying they were at the um, Mesa Arch in Canyonlands. And then from the Canyonlands, they went to Arches National Park. And on August 12th, she posted from Arches National Park. And this is where things look to have gone a little bit sideways. So they were at Arches National Park, and on August 12th, they also had a run-in with law enforcement. And in that time, so what happened is a bystander saw some kind of altercation going on between Gabby and Brian, and he witnessed Brian push Gabby. Gabby hit Brian. 
Gab and then Brian logged Gabby out of the car and I guess he was successful to lock everything except for she was able to climb through a window of the car and then they drove off. When law enforcement caught up with them driving off, they were at the exit to the Arches National Park and when they pulled them over, Gabby is hysterical. She is crying. She seems very discombobulated and upset. And I will post a link to this in the show notes because the full body cam has actually been released by law enforcement. So you can see the whole interaction. And what is crazy to me is Brian is completely calm. Gabby is hysterical. And while they're talking, Gabby is just saying that she has anxiety and her anxiety is through the, through the roof and that it's just, they, they had, it was a rough morning. And so the law enforcement officer removes Gabby from the van and has her sit in the AC in his vehicle. And what I think is interesting as you're watching this body cam is you can totally watch Gabby deescalate. You can watch her calm down and she's by the end, she's no longer sobbing. She seems comfortable. She seems, I don't know. There's just something about watching this video that makes me feel like she felt safe and like she could, she could relax. And so while you're watching this, the law enforcement officers are going back and forth trying to figure out like what happened and who was the aggressor and... You know, while Gabby is upset and she's talking to the officer about what happened, Brian has this relaxed, almost jokey, he's laughing, he's leaning up against the van, and it just, I don't know, seems to me like he is trying too hard to make the officers feel comfortable with him. Um, he's trying too hard to make it seem like no, it's all good. I'm super chill. Like nothing really happened. I and and watch watch the video for yourself. Let me know if I'm crazy, but I just don't have a great feel in watching this. To me, it really feels like a reactionary thing on Gabby's side. Like we've all seen the domestic violence incidents where one person riles up the other and then when the other reacts, the first party acts all calm and is like, you're crazy and I never did that and this is why we fight because you crazy and they gaslight it. And you can even see Gabby. Gabby's talking about, you know, they're sharing this trip on um, Instagram and they have a YouTube page where it looks like they only posted one video, but it looks like they planned on sharing um, their trip on, on YouTube. And she talks about how she was trying to get a blog started and that Brian didn't think she could do it. And so it was this weird comment in the whole mix that I was like, here's this guy where you guys have both agreed to quit your job, travel the country, and she's trying to start a blog to document what they're doing. There are so many people out here who are doing the van life, van travel thing that are making a good living traveling and documenting what they're doing. And it just seemed weird to me to have this like little like comment made that in the moment probably didn't seem big, but looking back now, it's like, 
well, what, what else did he degrade her about? Like, what else did he say she couldn't do? I don't know. Anyways. So the officers end up saying in their report, and, and I will get a hold of the report and post it in the show notes as well. But in their report, they say that it seemed more of like a mental health moment versus a true domestic dispute and that they decided what was best because neither one of them wanted to press charges was to separate them for the night. And so they got through a local organization, they got Brian a hotel for, for the night and Gabby stayed with the van, which I'm, I, I don't know if they did this because Gabby looked like she was the aggressor or if it's because I believe the van was actually in Gabby's name. But I know that if something like this happened with my husband and I and they were going to separate us for the night, my husband absolutely would send me to the hotel and he would stay with the car. But I don't know. It just it seems weird. So law enforcement has this interaction with them on the 12th. They also post on Instagram that they're in um, they're in Arches National. The next posts we're seeing um, on this is on Brian's Instagram is he's posting that he's in Moab, but there's no Gabby. He's not taking Gabby. She's nowhere in his post. Um, on the nineteenth, Gabby posts another post but doesn't tag where she is, which is not normal. Gabby has location tagged all of her posts up to this point. So to me, that was weird. On the 24th, it's reported that Gabby was seen um, checking out of a hotel. Apparently, they stayed in a hotel because of um, local fires. It wasn't safe to camp. On the 25th is when Gabby makes her last social media post and it's on the 20 yeah so it's 25th of August and she once again no um location tags and there is a little bit of a I don't want to call it a conspiracy theory but there's some talks um online about the length of her hair in that picture And the length of her hair in pictures leading up to it that is making people believe that the picture she posted um, was not a real-time photo. And people are also running into this um, date discrepancy. Apparently, Gabby and Brian were tracking some of their um, hikes on the app called all trails, all trails. If you don't have it and are into hiking or whatever, it's a really cool app. It'll tell you where hiking trails are. It'll tell you the difficulty of it. And you can actually track your, your hike and you can put like, you know, what people are allowed to leave notes. So when other people are looking at it, you know, trails washed out here, this, that, or the other thing, it's actually a pretty cool app. I really enjoy it, but Apparently, the tracking of their hikes are on different days than they were posting, which isn't all that uncommon, you know, depending on where they are. Maybe they didn't have great service or they didn't want to post in real time. Um, So their question is, you know, since hikes and and posts aren't matching up, our timeline may be off by just a little bit, um, but it kind of gives us an idea. So then, let's see, let's get back into the timeline. The last day of Gabby's 
um, or Gabby's last post and her last call to her parents was on July or excuse me, August 25th. And in that call, she led her parents to believe that they were in the Grand Tetons and that they were planning to head to Yellowstone. Her parents received texts from her on the 27th and the 28th. Um, however, the parents, while they are from her phone, they can't confirm for sure if it was actually her. Then on the 29th, Gabby was supposed to meet a friend of hers in Yellowstone for the friend's birthday. They didn't have plans um, completely knocked down, but they were going to connect close to the date and they were going to meet up. The friend says that Gabby failed to show. She failed to contact her. Any of that. She was radio silent and that is super out of character for Gabby. Then the following day, Gabby's mom receives a text message or somebody in the family receives a text message um, from Gabby saying no service in Yosemite. Now, both Gabby's mom and her friend don't believe that this is Gabby because um, they don't believe that Gabby would reach out to somebody on the 30th and no show, no call her friend the day before. Then on September 1st, Brian returns to Florida with a, with the van without Gabby. On September 11th, a missing persons report is filed. Now, mind you, during this entire time, Brian has gone silent. He's not talking to anybody. He has no social media activity. There's just, it's just like he doesn't exist currently, which makes my spidey sense go a little crazy. In the eyes of a defense attorney, which he has gotten, he has gotten himself representation for somebody they're representing to come into town after the event, whatever it was, say nothing to nobody and lawyer up is a defense attorney's dream. Absolute dream. Why is this? Because then they can carefully curate the information that is being released. They aren't tied into statements that they're, uh, their client made before. They're not trying to connect dots. They're not tied into anything. Now, for the family of a missing girl and the police department, it's the worst thing because the last person to have known contact with Gabby isn't talking about it. And while I understand, while any kind of attorney would totally support this because it, it's the best way to protect their, their client... I just, my heart breaks for that family. But anyways, there have been, I believe, two statements released by this attorney on behalf of the Laundry family, and they have said, this is an extremely difficult time for both the Petito family and the Laundry family. I understand a search has been organized for Miss, Miss Petito in or near Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. On beha behalf of the Laundry family, it is our hope that the search for Miss Pettito is successful and that Miss Pettito is reunited with her family. On the advice of counsel, the Laundry family is remaining in the background at this juncture and will have no further comment. So they're not making comments. When the police showed up to the house, they refused access to Brian, his parents did, and they're just not providing any, any information. And in response to this, the next day, 
the Petito family, well, Gabby's family, releases a statement saying the Smith and Petito family, her parents are, are, are um, divorced and remarried, are going through the worst moments of their lives. Their beautiful 22-year-old daughter is missing, and the one person that can help find Gabby refuses to help. Brian Loungey was traveling with Grant, Gabby in the Grand Teton, Yellowstone area. They were traveling together in Gabby's 20, 2012 Ford Transit van. That is where we believe Gabby was last seen. Brian is refusing to tell Gabby's family where he last saw her. Brian is also refusing to explain why he left Gabby all alone and drove her van to Florida. These are critical questions that require immediate answers. The Smith and and Petito family beg the Laundry family to not, quote, remain in the background, unquote, but to help find who Brian referred to as the love of his life. How does Brian stand in the background when the one person that he when he is the one person that knows where Gabby is located? The Smith and Pettito family implore Brian to come forward and at least tell us if we are looking in the right area. Just reading that, I want to cry for that family. Like how the person that was supposed to love and look after their daughter is the last person to know where their daughter is and you know, at worst, we, we all know what we're thinking at worst, but at best, the best case scenario is he took her car, their supplies, and left her. He stranded her somewhere. We don't know if he took everything. Did he leave her with anything? You know, did he just literally kick her out on the side of the road and then take off? Like, we have no idea where she is. None. And and he is the last person to have any idea where he last saw her. And the fact that he has come home and is unwilling to help law enforcement help find her If your spidey scents aren't tingling, you might want to go check and make sure that they don't need maintenance because mine are going freaking nuts. So to the last and most recent updates on the case, they actually both happened on the 17th. Um, Brian's sister gave an interview saying that she hasn't been in contact with her brother since he's been home, that the whole family loves Gabby, and that she hopes he's... that. Um, she's found safe and sound, that Gabby was like part of the family. Um, she also said that, you know, it wasn't uncommon for them if they fought for them to separate themselves. So that didn't seem abnormal for him that, or, or abnormal to her that during their incident, he tried to separate himself in the van. And then later on, on the same day, the police show up to the Laundry family home, which is where Brian has been staying. It was actually where Brian and Gabby were living prior to taking off on the road trip. But police show up and they are informed that Brian is missing. And so this is this is what the police department has to say. We understand the community's frustration. We are frustrated too. For six days, the Northport Police Department and the FBI have been pleading with the family to contact investigators regarding Brian's fiance, Gabby Pittito. Friday is the first time that they have spoken with us in detail. Um, and then on the 17th, um, 
the the attorney for Brian Laundry released a statement saying that the whereabouts of Brian are unknown, which, you know, to me, to be honest, is what I feel, you know, what is my opinion. I don't feel that his whereabouts are unknown. I think he's in hiding. I don't know if his family has any kinds of means, but to instantly lawyer up to not be willing to talk to refuse access to him to you know they're saying the last time they saw him was you know the tuesday before the friday when they said that his whereabouts are unknown so they hadn't seen him till tuesday that gives him four days of a head start before they even tell police they don't know where he is and it appears that gabby's family is agreeing because they actually released a statement saying that the that the family wants everyone to be aware that Brian is not missing, that he's in hiding, that Gabby is missing. So there are a couple theories, let's call them, that are floating around on the internet. And um, the first one has to do with a double homicide that happened in Moab. So Kylan Schutte 24 and Crystal Turner, 38, were found dead on August 18th with multiple gunshot wounds in the South Mesa area of the La Salle Loop Road, which they were apparently last seen alive at Woody's Tavern in downtown Moab on August 13th. And why is this relevant? Well, Apparently, Brian and Gabby's altercation on the 12th happened outside the Moonflower, which is where um, Kylan Schutte would have been working that day. Now, apparently, it is reported that um, the two were texting friends saying that if anything happened to them, it was this shady male character um, that they had seen around their campsite. So there's a lot of people who are trying to connect Gabby and Brian to Kylan and Crystal. Although as of the recording of this podcast, the police have released a statement saying that they have eliminated any possible connection between, between the two. So the second fan theory is a little bit more out there and it's one of those it's true elements but yet it just seems crazy and that is of the zone of death and the zone of death is referring to well let's back this up a little bit so we're going to talk about Yellowstone and Yellowstone National Park is mostly in Wyoming however there are portions that overlap into Idaho and Montana now the district of Wyoming, so the United States District Court of Wyoming, has jurisdiction over the entire area of Yellowstone National Park. So that includes the sections that are in Idaho and Montana. Now this gets a little tricky because the Sixth Amendment of the United States Constitution says that juries in federal criminal cases must be made up of citizens who are both who are from both the district and the state where the crime was committed. So 
if somebody committed a crime in Yellowstone in the portion that is in Idaho or the portion that is in Montana, the jury must be compiled of people who are from the district of Wyoming, but the state of either Montana or Idaho. Now, this is where it gets tricky. So there is a section in Idaho that is part of Yellowstone, but in Idaho State, where there's nobody, there's nobody who lives in that section. So if you committed a crime in that section, they would not be able to draft a jury of people who lived in both the state and the district. So essentially, the zone of death is saying that you could commit a crime in that area, and they wouldn't be able to prosecute you. So this was discovered by a gentleman by the last name of Cult, and ever since it was discovered, there are no known felonies that were committed in the areas. However, there was a poacher by the name of Michael Belladran, I'm, I'm sure I'm not saying that correctly, who illegally shot an elk in the Montana section of Yellowstone. And while that section of the park doesn't have enough residents to form a jury, um, a federal judge ruled that he could be tried in the U.S. District Court for the District of Wyoming despite the Sixth Amendment problem. Um, apparently, this the defendants uh, cited the paper, The Perfect Crime, which is where the zone of death was discovered and detailed. Um, and he explained that it was used this as the argument to explain why it would be illegal to have a trial with a jury from a state other than where the crime was committed. Apparently, the court dismissed the argument. The defendant took a plea agreement and a, a condition of the plea agreement was that he would not appeal the zone of death issue to the Tenth Circuit Court, um, rendering the issue as a non-issue, at least for that specific case. And from what I can tell, there have been no other cases who have dealt with these weird overlapping zones where it is confusing on how to pull a jury. So because Gabby and Brian's next stop was Yellowstone. There is some traction on social media about did Brian take Gabby to the zone of death, commit a crime, and then leave her there? If you're interested, this is kind of ironic that um, the zone of death comes up so recently, so close to me watching. It's a faux documentary, um, not a true documentary, where uh, the ge uh, gentleman does some investigating reporting on a triple homicide that happened in the zone of death. It's called Population Zero. Um, my mother and I watched it a few weeks ago, and we both thoroughly enjoyed it. So if you want to watch some faux documentary on this issue, um, Population Zero was a... I, I would recommend giving it a watch. And so as of re the recording of this podcast... That's the information we have. So we have a young couple who head out on a road trip to see the country, to visit the national parks, and one comes back and one doesn't. Hopefully spreading the news about this and any information. Um, hopefully somebody saw something and can... Um, help connect some dots. If by any chance you have seen Gabby, Gabby is 
a blonde-haired, blue-eyed female who stands at about 5'5". She has Let It Be tattooed on her right arm, and she has a triangle with flowers on it tattooed on her left arm. If, If you happen to know anything, if you think there is a piece of information that might help investigators locate Gabby and hopefully bring her home alive and safe, the tip line for it is 1-800-CALL-FBI. That is 1-800-225-5324. Don't flood that number with, I'd hate to say it, useless information, but if you have actual solid information that may help locate her, do not hesitate to call. This is a young girl that deserves to be home and safe with her family and We all need to do anything we can to find her. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Simply Imperfect podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today and don't want to miss a future episode, please make sure to subscribe. If you're looking for show notes from today's episode, head on over to simplyimperfect.org. While you're at it, check out the links to all of our social media accounts and join our mailing list. The Simply Imperfect podcast is a commentary channel. The statements and views are the creator's opinion, should not be considered fact, and are for entertainment purposes only. Please conduct your own research before making conclusions of your own.